0: What's up? This is Matt Dietz, and this is Simply Explaining Insurance. This is the show where I tell you what you need to know about insurance in a way that you can understand it, because I know what you don't know about insurance, and I know what you need to know. Real quick, if you want to know more about, even more about insurance, check out my other podcast. It's called Agency Launch. In Agency Launch, I talk about what it's like to run an insurance agency. So I talk about marketing and sales strategies, and I talk about staffing and retention. If you can do those four things well, you will succeed. But there's a lot going on inside of all of those four things. So check them out. Also, check out agencylaunch.net. That is my masterclass for... I will teach you how to do all those things really well. So hop in there and check out agencylaunch.net. And if you use the code podcast, I'll give you 10% off anything in there. All right. Today... I brought someone else on the show. I brought on Dustin Lemmick, who is the CEO of Brightco and founder. And I brought him on because I thought his company sounded awesome. And so I wanted to hear how it was built and what it does. And so you're going to hear a conversation between me and Dustin. It went really, really well. Brightco is a company that you can buy jewelry insurance online. And they have streamlined the process and made it uh, very easy. Sometimes I can't find coverage in my agency for a certain maybe limit or a certain type of jewelry or whatever. And so now to have a place to refer to is uh, is awesome. And so I love talking to founders about stuff like this because now I founded my own little insurance agency. So I kind of know what it's like to be a startup, but maybe not to the scale at what my new friend Dustin has done. It's incredible. So I love to talk about, you know, how did this idea come up? What's the origin story? So we kind of talk about that. We talk about what it's like to start an insurance company, which sounds like I'm sure, well, you'll hear it's challenging and it's hard, but then we get into the tech and what they can really do. So I had a great conversation. I've, I've been doing this long enough to to ask some questions that, I think will be helpful for you and your clients about insuring jewelry and some of the misnomers that come with that. And so uh, thank you so much, Dustin, for coming on and uh, chatting with me for a while. It was awesome getting to know you a little bit. I'm looking forward to staying connected with you moving forward. And with all that being said, let's get on to our conversation. Well, I am joined today with Dustin Lemmick, who's the founder and CEO of Brightco. Thanks for joining me today, Dustin. Matt,
1: thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to learn what, uh, does, uh, what uh, Brightco is all about and how you're disrupting the industry. You are an insured tech company. And uh, from what I can tell and what I've researched, you've got some good stuff going. Uh, you've got a product that's going to help maybe me do my job better or help my clients be insured properly. And so I know you've got a rich history in your industry. And so why don't you tell me a little bit about how did you get into jewelry and like you've been in it for a while, almost, almost 20 years, right?
1: Yeah. So I, like, I was basically born into the jewelry industry. Not basically I was, uh, I was before kind of getting schooled in like on the job training and in, in insurance and building an insurance company, you know, Brightco is a, a, a program administrator. Uh, and i grew up in the jewelry industry. My father owned uh, a retail organization, which my grandfather started in the 50s. And so one of the reasons that I got into uh, insurance was actually while I was running our retail stores, I noticed a lot of pain points all around jewelry insurance, around claims, uh, really for my, at that time, my customers, for, for folks that were buying jewelry from us, engagement rings, et cetera. And uh, I got the question every day, well, well, where do I go get insurance? How do I get this insured? And it was just, it was not efficient. It wasn't an efficient process. It was hard to purchase. This is not a particularly complicated line of business. And it should be easy to digest, easy to purchase, uh, pretty straightforward. And from my perspective, it wasn't. And so uh, that's sort of a little bit about my background. So I come from the jewelry world. And then that sort of was the seed inception of starting Bryco. All
0: right. I agree. I think, you know, ensuring your jewelry should be similar to like buying maybe the extended warranty on your phone or something like that. Right. It shouldn't be this long drown out process. And, and I'm aware of of many pain points too. And uh, the process can be clunky and things like that. So, so when did you wake up one day? I'm always interested in kind of origin stories. Like when did you wake up and say, you know what, there is this problem. I think I can solve it. We all have these moments, right? Sometimes it's just, I wish somebody would solve it, but you were the guy that was like, I'm going to solve it. Right. So like, walk me through what that, what your thought process was and then how have you, how did you achieve it? Yeah, that's a really good question.
1: Um, For me, it was really a compounding problem. It was one of those things where it was nagging. It was like a nagging injury that just wouldn't go away. Yeah, And every day I was confronted and and our salespeople were confronted with the same question over and over and the same relatively poor answer, at least from my perspective of, and the whole conversation around insurance from a jeweler's perspective was not good. And so it was a lot of like this compounding effect. And what I started doing, I mean, really started moonlighting and just kind of digging deeper I, I had a really good hold on, on the jewelry side of things. I have a had a very good knowledge at that point. Um, I needed to really understand the insurance perspective and like the line of business and why am I, why is this a problem for me? And is this a problem for other people? Uh, either people like me or on kind of the other side of the fence are the insurance folks. Sure. And it really kind of led me down this path of, Really like investigation, and I, I always say moonlighting because I was doing it after hours and weekends, and my driving my wife crazy. Yeah, and uh, that's sort of how it started. And then I met a co-founder who was a fully credentialed actuary. He's an Afkaz. and he was able. I mean, when we got together and started really formulating this thing, is when it became crystal clear. Uh, and then we started having kind of the deeper conversations with reinsurance companies and carriers about, hey, look, is there a need for this product in the marketplace? And you know, and then on top of that, we layered on a whole lot of technology that we were planning and we did build to say, look, this is these are the problems, and so I started identifying the problems and here is the proposed solution, and this is this is how we're going to build the tech- technology to really fix what we perceived as
0: the problems. All right, so so walk me through what, what were the biggest problems that you were, like, let's get specific. Like, what were you being confronted with time and time again where you were like, gosh, why isn't this, why is this so hard? Was it your customers were maybe, Asked to do more work than you wanted them to have to do, uh, was it you didn't have the uh, centralized place you know to send them, or or were you frustrated that you couldn't offer that service yourself? You know, so what was the one? What were the few things that were big enough for you to take action?
1: So there were two main ones, although there were a, a lot of other ones kind of revolving around these. Uh, the first kind of ugly face that showed was was claims and. and You know, because we were, our organization, our stores were kind of grandfathered. My grandfather, like I mentioned, started our stores in the 50s. We were grandfathered into a lot of claim replacement systems for some of the bigger carriers. And it felt like there was just a real genuine lack of specialization for this line of business on a claim, replacing a piece of jewelry. there's, There's definitely some specialty knowledge that has to come into play. And so we saw lots of pain points around claims. And so that's sort of where it started. And, and then it, we, we kind of started looking at the full life cycle and saying, so that, that was the first piece. The second piece was really like speed and confu- confusion to purchase the policy. And we were, I, I was just getting a pretty clear understanding of look, why, why does this take, and, it, it, and rightfully so, a lot of who we were dealing with millenni- millennial type folks Engagement purchasers, they really want just like, hey, can I go to a website and, and on my phone here while I'm in your store? Where can I just buy this thing? And yes. there nowhere. Like it was really like nowhere. You can't. And so that was the second piece. So like when we lined up the, the, the front end piece and then the claim piece, it was like, okay, we've got some substantial substantial problems here.
0: Very good. So how have you solved it? Why don't you walk me through like, what is Brightco? If someone came to, say like, what is Brightco? And you know, how does it make, how does it make like a consumer's life easier? How can it make my life easier as an agency owner? Like walk me through kind of, you know, the mechanics of, of what it does and how it works and how it's uh, made things easier. Yeah. So
1: funny enough, actually. So we, Started off in a jeweler channel and we work with jewelers and we kind of provide through some of our technology, like a point of sale type offering. So you could quote to buying basically at the point of sale in a jewelry store. Mm-hmm. And then we started getting a lot of outreach direct, uh, you know, on our website, calling us, emailing, etc. And so we opened up a D2C channel. And one of the interesting things is we work with a lot of agents a- a- that are looking to place business... Uh, specifically specialty jewelry insurance uh, and they're not having the right tools or they're, they're just looking for, for other places to place the business and they find us. And so one, I mean, that is one way, certainly a very easy way to work with us directly. Um, and we would kind of help, we, we don't really have an agency channel up, but we have a lot of agents that will basically refer their clients to us or kind of help them handhold them through the best part about our product is there is very little hand-holding it's very straightforward you could go directly on our website you can get a quote in 20 seconds you can bind a policy in two minutes um you know it's and then going back to kind of the, the initial part of the question like what is bryco and like what kind of technology so we leverage tech now we built all custom technology to really do a lot of different things but like some like wanting good examples like automated underwriting. So how do you bind a volume, a high level of policies that quickly and efficiency, it's all through automation. So we have built really elegant, what I consider it elegant technology that helps really streamline that. And what that amounts to at the end of the day for like, just for the consumer, we all wanna take care of our customers, right? We all wanna make sure they get a really good product, They can, which also our policy itself and coverage is, you know, I consider best in class. Also priced extremely well. Um, The consumer just gets this really nice experience where they can, it's not a hassle. It's easy, like I mentioned five times already. It's very easy to get, um, and it's a great great product. And and that's the way jewelry insurance should be. Not all lines of business should be that way. but that's how we believe jewelry insurance
0: right be. so so like jewelry should be when you purchase a nice piece of jewelry it should be a, it should be should be fun, it should be exciting, it shouldn't be stressful. you should walk out of the store and be proud and feel a little bit better about yourself and all of that. and so you don't want to taint that with, you know, now I've got four hours of work that I have to do to figure out how to insure this. I got to get an appraisal. I got to turn this in. I got to, so like you want it to all be this kind of seamless experience. And it sounds like you are helping to kind of enhance and continue that good experience so that it's just easy. And now I now I know that I'm covered and that's, that's important when you're wearing, you know, th- thousands of dollars on your wrist or your or your hand or something like that. You want to be sure about that. So, um, so that's outstanding. Let, let's talk about the process itself. So if I have a client that comes into my agency and they're a current client, we have their homeowner's policy and they say, I just bought a ring, you know, and it's $25,000, you know, I need to make sure there's insurance on that. When I first became an agent, you know, we have jewelry that's baked into all of our most you know, premier homeowners policies have a line of coverage in there. I don't know what percentage of the population is aware that there is a limit to that coverage. You know, I think people are just think that, wow, it's covered because I have insurance, but you know, most policies, all policies have a limit. You know, I think ours can be $5,000 or in the past it was $3,000. And then you can do it scheduled or unscheduled, you know? And so, so we would have to get a, uh, an appraisal, a current appraisal within three years. We'd have to scan it in and load it up, and it'd have to hit someone else's desk in another state, and they'd have to look at it and approve it, and and then it it'd be placed on the policy. But um, jewelry is always one thing. When I'm doing reviews with all of my clients, I always talk. The jewelry is one of the things I always tell them about. Do you have any jewelry? You know, um, because most people don't know that it's 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 limited. So. What's the process like if I want to buy a $25,000 policy from you? Walk me through that experience.
1: Yeah. I mean, Matt, first of all, like it's really good that you have that conversation because it's, it really is important. And it's, it's a point of confusion for a lot of consumers. They do, like you said, like a lot of folks believe they have adequate coverage for their jewelry, the true with, with just a standard homeowner's policy. And the truth is they typically don't. I mean, you'll see. Deductibles that are typically not really applicable for a piece of jewelry. They're, they're generally too high of deductibles. Um, they're fine for like a home, but for a piece of jewelry, let's just say, if you, well, and then also limits, like, like, like you mentioned, um, you know, you won't get adequate coverage. Uh, and that's the other piece too, is really like our product is, is a specialty product and it's tailor-made for a piece of jewelry. It is the most comprehensive coverage that you could get. A lot of unscheduled, scheduled, or just basic homeowners policies um, will generally, a lot of times, will have some some restriction on coverage versus what we could offer. Um, and then there's also like the specialty nature of it, of just you know dealing with a company that's used to dealing with jewelry claims, replacing pieces of jewelry, that whole process. Um, so with us, oh, and the other thing too, I think is actually really important that that I don't want to forget to mention is with rising costs. I mean, you, you see this all over the country. You definitely see this this in coastal states. Um, we all know how important homeowners coverage is to keep it and to keep it relatively like reasonably priced. Um, we talk a lot about not wanting to tie jewelry into your homeowners, but because it it, it will, you don't want your your customer, you don't want the policyholder to get dinged for a jewelry loss and potentially dropped on a homeowner's coverage for a piece of jewelry. Not when there's just as good options out there or better options. I like Um, that. So with us, the process, we still do require documentation, although we're a bit more flexible. So we don't say, you need a three-year appraisal or two years. Some, some companies require two years or even, even newer. Um, we have internal process and systems. Like we, ha- we have an appraisal system we use internally that we built. It's a homegrown. So like we will take five or six-year-old appraisals as long as we can get into our system and validate values. Um, super helpful. And then we just require a photo. Like we call it a selfie from a, from a cell phone. And that's really it. And then the application itself is super simple. It's just like, you know, name, address, phone. Um, there's a handful of underwriting questions. And, you know, it's it's pretty, pretty seamless. And so for agents, a lot of what we're seeing, how they're using it, again, it's not like a full agent supported like tools. It, it's kind of like a place to refer business if you're looking for to keep it outside of the home. Now that could, that might change in the future. There might be some other tools. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. But um, it, it's really a place where you, to refer customers to, um, to keep it outside of the homeowners or just to place business with, with a company that specializes in
0: that. Sure. Great. So let's talk a little bit about coverage itself. Just with my experience um, there are some, there's some there's some details inside of jewelry floaters that I like to point out for those who maybe don't know, especially uh, either newer agents or even consumers. But when we schedule a piece of jewelry, one of the things that I encourage people to do to schedule jewelry is is it adds an extra layer of coverage on there. And and we call it mysterious disappearance, right? So if I have that $25,000 ring and um, I have it scheduled on my policy, it shows up on my policy for that specific ring, you know? Um, and if it there's a stone in that ring and you come home one day and that stone is gone, um, the only way that's going to be covered is if it's scheduled because mysterious disappearance is part of that scheduled process. If you don't have that ring scheduled, um, it would be covered to the limit of the policy, but only due to like fire and theft. Right. So, um, is it similar for you guys, you guys cover mysterious disappearance for all of your stuff.
1: So you just like hit a critical, important coverage. Uh, mysterious disappearance is critical. Like, if you are buying jewelry insurance coverage, however, whatever vehicle you're using, and, and it does not cover mysterious disappearance, then you're you're not getting the right coverage for for right. the Paul for the policy holder. Um, it is by far from my again, from my perspective. Uh, you know, we have a lot of data. It, it, it is the most common form of loss um, by a lot. But we also cover, I mean, damage is, is a, definitely a culprit. Uh, loss, theft, and mysterious disappearance. For us, like we'll, we'll cover up to 125% of the total value. So we actually will give an extra 25% coverage there. Right. Um, and then we also do some other things that really like, these are just kind of bells and whistles that you'll get with a specialty company like, like Bryco is we'll do like a preventative. We, we offer preventative maintenance. It's not warranty, but it's, hey, look, if you have a lobster claw in a necklace that's broken that will potentially prevent a full loss, we cover that. Broken yep. prongs, we cover that. Things like that.
0: Yep. Let's talk a little bit about a claim or the claim process. And I've, I've seen this a handful of times in my career where we've had a ring that's been, it's been insured properly. And uh, there was a claim that was filed because it was lost or something like that. And then the, the client say, say it was a $25,000 ring, you know, but the insurance company can get that same stone in the same ring for significantly cheaper because we are not they won't go through the retail channels to do it. They go wholesale and they can get that same ring for fifteen or or significantly less. And sometimes that rubs the customer the wrong way. And they're like, I paid $25,000 for that. You're going to give me a $15,000 ring? So, and, and I think in our policies or in some policies, you can actually choose to have it insured for like a stated value or something like that as well, or agreed upon value. Can you talk to that process at all or what that's like uh, sure. to make sure the customer is comfortable that they're getting value you know from this from this product
1: yeah 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 so agreed upon value policies um will just essentially pay cash out based on the total insured value Um, but they're quite a bit more expensive they're they're a lot more the the policy price Um, the other option which is by far the more common option i think I would guess like 90% of policies are replacement policies. Uh, And then to your point, you get into some pretty nuanced replacement details. Um, A lot of folks don't know until they go through the claims process. And that's when a lot of people will realize uh, kind of what you're talking to, which is technically called like a preferred network. And so a lot of carriers will have these preferred networks set up. And so a loss happens and they say, okay, look, we have these diamond dealers um, that we work with. And so you are required to source the diamond or the stone or whatever it is the replacement you're replacing from one of our, somebody in our preferred network. And like you pointed out, it could, it generally does rub a customer the wrong way, where they say, "No, I, I don't want to. I've been working with my local jeweler, who I've been going to for twenty years, um, and they have a stone there that is lovely, and that my my wife loves that stone, and I'm that's the one we want to go with." And they say, "Well, we're sorry, um, pick something else," and, and it's <laughs> it's a pain point. I, I used to go through this. This was a huge problem. I used to go through this all the time. Uh, from the jeweler side of things. And we don't do that. So, we, I mean, we, our philosophy is, and this is the way that I think is the right way to do it, is we want to service the policy holder in the absolute best way we can. And by doing that, it's, look, you can work with whoever you want. We also have the industry expertise to say that. The reason preferred networks even exist in the first place is because the carrier doesn't have the internal expertise to say, we know what the pricing is like, we're not getting taken advantage of. Um, So the the reason we fight or the way we fight against that is by saying, hey, we have these deals with these, these dealers and you have to use one of them because that's how we control the system. That's how we control the pricing. For us, we have all of this internal knowledge and we understand the industry so that it doesn't matter who you go to. Like, as long as like, we understand we, I like to say, this is kind of cheesy, but we speak jewelry. Like we understand when somebody is giving us pricing or when we're working with this jewel, it doesn't matter who the jeweler is. Like we can work with them.
0: Awesome. Thank you. I'm curious. I don't know a lot about it, but I thought I would mention it. I know in my entire industry, insurance as a whole like fraud is a big problem right, right. people are and 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 i would imagine that in this specific part of the industry with insuring jewelry it's probably easy to, it's easier to probably get away with, oh, my stone's missing and I need to file a claim and yada. You know, what's your, do you have any take on that or experience with that? Is there a way that you try and combat that? Like, cause that fraud is a main driver in increases in premiums, you know? And so is there anything you got there that you could share? I'm just, the, I'm really just wondering out of a curiosity standpoint.
1: Yeah, it's it, it is t- definitely one of those things in this line of business that's um, critical uh, to pay. From my perspective, from a carrier perspective, you know, if you're not paying attention to fraud in in the in the jewelry line, like you're doing something wrong um, because it is it is a real risk uh, for us. It, there's a handful of things we do, but it really starts with underwriting. Um, You know, you really need to know what you're doing from an underwriting perspective in order to underwrite the the risk properly. And we do it generally through our technology. Um, You know, it's mostly built in and we have a very good sense of what we're looking for from a risk standpoint and what we are not looking for from a risk standpoint. And so that's the number one most important thing. There's other things that that factor in, you know. A lot of times on a claim, there's some real big red flags if somebody's committing fraud. Um, that's actually not uh, specific to jewelry. I mean, it, it, that will probably go across all lines of business in terms of like identifying fraud on a claim. Um, that's there's no secret there. You know, there's um, there's certain things from filing police reports, you know, if there was a theft, a supposed right. theft, like things like that. But
0: mm-hmm.
1: I always point to Andre
0: Yeah. Very good. Oh, let's see. I had another question for you. Um, what, how long have you guys been, when, when, did? when did you start Brightco? What year did you launch?
1: So technically I started Brightco in 2017. We launched like, Everybody knows insurance is a beast and just getting a product to market is a challenge. And we're licensed and we write business in every state. And so we went through that intense filing process and we officially launched nationwide in 2019. Right. So... Very, how is uh,
0: How have your first few years been? How has it been received? What's it been like? Are you trying to, how are you trying to grow the company? Are you trying to get, uh, you know, in front of agents? Are you trying to get in front of companies, consumers, jewelers, all of that? Like, what's your, like, What are you what are you doing to try and get the word out and to grow?
1: Literally everything you just said, <laughs> I will say yes to all of that. Um, so yeah, we're having lots of conversations right now. Um, you know, we just raised our A round and, you know, things are going extremely well. Like we're growing very fast. Um, you know, we're understanding, we understand the market extremely well. And and just the growth is really phenomenal from my perspective. And so, Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're just having a lot of conversations, and I always encourage if folks are interested in talking, I'm I'm always happy to, happy to talk, to try to see what the needs are of the market. Of you know, that is what we're here to do. Is we're here to solve problems and to fill needs. And so, um, whether it's talking to agents or talking to jewelers or just t- having the conversation with a customer, a consumer, a policyholder. Um, so it's going really well. I'm, I'm really thankful like just for where we're at, so, you know, starting any business is um, very challenging. Mm-hmm. Starting an insurance business is extra
0: challenging. That sounds horrible. <laughs> <And> so,
1: <laughs> <laughs> so we're really thankful for, for where we're at in our journey. And we're, we're really encouraged uh, about the future and, and sort of excited to see where this, where this goes to.
0: Yeah. Well, I'd have a whole nother conversation with you on what it's like to start an insurance company. I can't imagine, you know, what, what, what's entailed with that, but maybe, maybe next time. Um, But I do have a couple other questions for you when it comes to um, you're still pretty new. I love, I love companies like yours who are coming in and disrupting. Our industry has been very static and boring for 50 years. You know, I mean, like I've been at it for 17 years and Um, you know, we are, we are still on a technological standpoint, you know, most companies, I would say, even the larger companies, I think the tech is, you know, a good eight to 10 years old, you know, it's still very old and it's, it's slow and our processes are not, you know, they're sluggish and they're chunky. And, um, so seeing companies like yours that are coming in and doing things, Uh, in a 21st century fashion, you know, and doing things and making our lives easier and making the process easier, like I am all for. Now, when it comes to working with agents, do you see a time where, you know, where I can get paid for writing a policy through you guys, whether it's a referral fee or a commission based thing, you know, I get a number with your company, I get a log on, you know, I'm sitting down with a client, I can write a policy, uh, with you guys. And, you know, give me 25 bucks or whatever, you know? So do you have, you know, there's a hundred thousand agents out there, you know, and they'd probably be a good resource for you guys. I'm curious on what those discussions are like.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're—I I would say we're in the discovery mode right there, and that's why I would—I would love to have the conversation with folks just to understand, like I said before, kind of what the needs are. I mean, the short answer is yes. Like, there certainly could be a world where we're working very closely with agents um, in terms of, and certainly compensation for obvious reasons would be included in that. Um, And the tech as well, like you you really hit it. That the technology is just so legacy. And you know, there's there's a lot of regulatory hurdles. It actually gives companies like Brightco an advantage because we're able to move fast. We don't we're not burdened by legacy technology. The the problem is that who the, the technology is built for or was previously built for, there's a whole new set of needs now. And in order to compete, like really have the right tools to be able to provide that like best in class product and services that we all want to do, like you just, technology has to be a part of the puzzle. Um, One thing that I would say is like from our perspective, from Brightco's perspective, we don't put anything out unless we know it's best in class. So like I would never put a, 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 a tool out or something out that wasn't going to really be a game changer. Um, so we tend to take our time to understand really, again, pain points, problems, and then, then adapt the solution to that using technology.
0: Very good. Do you ever foresee, do you, I'm curious, just from, from a founder standpoint and you're you're still, you know, it's still such a new company, but things move so fast. And, and we live in a world where things change so regularly. I'm curious on if, you know, uh, someone like you, you know, can build up a company like this, have it be very successful and have it be, you know, something that, you know, would you sell it, you know, to a large carrier that's like, we'd love what you're doing. We'd love to have your technology and, and bake it into our technology or use it just for our clients. Is that, is that something that's, uh, you would, I don't know, what are your thoughts on that? Just out of curiosity?
1: Yeah. It's like, that's one of those things that from a startup perspective. And like, that's always there. Like, there's always kind of that question or those things floating around you. Like we've, we've already been approached by some, by a company to offer to buy us. We passed at that time. Um, But we get inquiries and sort of people pecking around pretty regularly. So it's something that we have to think about. Um, we also have investors, you know, behind us, we have some institutional, inv- I mean, so you have to, from my perspective, from a CEO perspective, you know, I have to think about not just what, what's right for me, but also just what's right for the company, what's right for the stakeholders and the investors. So it's something that we definitely think about. Um, you know, right now we're in a, a really good spot. We're in like just this high growth mode and and we know we have a product that the market needs and so we feel like we're in a comfortable position, but but at the same time, it's my job to listen and we always do. Um, so that's the long answer. The short answer yeah. is who knows, you know, I know. it's like, I, I can't say.
0: Yeah. I just, I just think it's an interesting, I mean, you've built something that's great. It's your baby. I'm sure you're super proud of it. Sounds like you're in a position right now where it's like really fun and we all want to grow and you're in this great growth mode and it's fun. And you probably have days where you're like, let's see how far we can take this. Cause this is outstanding. Um, but it also makes me wonder like, what's, uh, do you have any competition in this space right now? And w- and like, what's to stop someone else from doing some, how do you protect yourself against competition? Can you, or, or does that just kind of force you to continue to make sure that your product is, remains best in class. And if another competitor comes along, you're like, well, they're not where we are yet. You know, just do you have thoughts about, about that?
1: yeah of course um yeah i think my thoughts have changed from like day one to to where we are now i think day one like when you're starting a business um any business really and like it it is your baby you know you're really protective and you're you're secretive and somewhat paranoid about like what you're doing and all those things and then you, you start understanding a bit more of the landscape and sort of what your competitive advantages are, or in some cases, what they're not. Um, and you, you have more perspective. And, and that certainly happened with me. Of course, we have competitors, um, we, but uh, really like those legacy old school insurance carriers yeah. is, is really what we're, we're up against. Um, this space, the insurance space, the insurance technology space, is just so interesting compared to other to to other spaces other venture spaces because there's these natural like moats that that are built by regulatory environment so like just to be able to like i mentioned before to get a product to market i mean it, it takes a lot um it takes capital it takes resources time um all of those things and so We feel like from a competitive advantage standpoint, that is just a natural moat for any insurance company that's already in the market operating. The second piece that I sort of alluded to before is just our technology. Like I would be very surprised. Of course, anybody could build anything, but to build to the level that we're at now of sophistication in the technology itself, it's going to take a lot. And so I I feel like that's also a real competitive advantage of ours. And it just keeps getting more nuanced and, um, more mature every day. So not really, um, how would I, I'm not not threatened at all, or, or I don't feel, um, overly concerned about competition. Um, competition is a good thing anyways, by the way, Mm -hmm. like that's how I kind of look at it, but we just feel really confident in what we're doing and really focused on what we're doing. So that's sort of our viewpoint, I would
0: say. Great. Right. Do you have anything that's in the wings that uh that you have rolling out or or what do you got what's what's next, you know, over the next 6, 12 months that you're excited about or that you've got coming?
1: Yeah, we we haven't released it yet, but we have been looking. So like I mentioned, we just raised our A round and part of raising that was new products. Um, we are in the final testing phases of a new product. Um, TBD on when that's going to come out, but um, within the next six months, I would say, and um, will there'll be announcements. But we're also on a regular basis doing other things like partnerships. Like We have a couple really strong partnerships coming out that we're working on right now. Um, really just building our our current channels um you know it's there's so much available growth and like i said before we're just so focused we we are not the type of company that wants to do everything all at once we want to be very smart about how we grow and what products we grow into and our core product and our core customer when you lose sight of that you you sort of take your eye off the ball and so we just know there's a lot of, like like you mentioned, like we're still relatively young company and we still have a lot of, of like just natural innate growth. Yeah. And so we're, those are the kinds of things we're focused on, but we do have some pretty, over the next six to 12 months, relatively aggressive plans and, and a lot of testing and things like that.
0: So what just... Last question here for, from a product standpoint, if we want to use you, um, I know that jewelry is where you're at, but is, can you define that even more? Like what kind of jewelry, um, what do you see most? And, and maybe, is there anything that you cover that maybe I wouldn't expect, or that would surprise me?
1: So we really run the gamut. We, we cover everything you would expect, you know, rings, watches, earrings, bracelets, brooches. Um, we've even covered tiaras, you know, like... (laughs) you know, there's a pretty wide gamut. Um, you know, we do currently a lot of engagement rings. Um, that's just, we resonate really well with a a millennial who's looking for a product like ours. Um, but with that being said, the product and the pricing, like our pricing is very aggressive. So it's like 0.5% to 1.5% typically of the total insured value. Um, that's really inexpensive.
0: So annually, so, so 1%, give or take a half a percent, right? So for a $20,000 ring, it's 200 bucks.
1: Yeah. Give or or take, give or take a half a percent. Right. And if you're really good risk, you you know, you're at a a buck and a quarter, a buck 50 or something for an incredible policy. I mean, it's a lot of value there.
0: Um, you're, You're not kidding.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, that's what we're talking about. So even if you're Looking, to, if you're looking to place business for your, or, or even just refer them to somewhere that you know they're going to get a great deal and a good policy, like that's one of the things that we that we would recommend.
0: Um Yeah. So, what do you have a limit? Do you
1: have we a? We do have a. We do have a limit. Those are going up. We have a hundred and fifty thousand dollar per item limit, and a four hundred thousand dollar per policy per schedule.
0: Okay. And last question, what would, what would cause you to not take a risk? What would, what, what kind of risks would you, do you decline?
1: So pretty, oh, well, I'll caveat it by saying it's super nuanced. So it's like, we are very granular. Our, our underwriting is, is no joke. Like very, very granular, very nuanced. Um, but the bigger the bigger things that would be kind of like the, the immediate kickouts would be let me give you an example we asked the question in our underwriting so we asked like six or seven underwriting questions okay. do you have a previous bankruptcy if you have a previous bankruptcy we won't write the policy okay. if you have a criminal background if you have a criminal background we won't, won't write the policy um, if, if we're a little more careful with the very high value, especially high value watches. Um, you know, we're, we write everything, but like that's where the underwriting box gets a little bit tighter. Um, you know, what else? We, we'll underwrite on a whole bunch of other things. You know, if you're an own, a homeowner or a renter, things like that. But mm-hmm. it, it all basically adds up together. We don't underwrite on just one element, it's, it's the whole picture.
0: Do you do any sort of, do you pull any sort of reports? You know, when we write insurance on a, on a homeowner or an auto policy, you know, we collect information and in a driver's license, name, uh, address. And we get authorization from the client and, and we run, I think we call it an insurance score, which is just this yeah. mix of all these different things in there, including sometimes credits in there, you know, loss history and stuff like that. Do you guys have any sort of kind of, you know, thing working in the background to, to check stuff like that?
1: Yeah, good question. We'll, we'll look at insurance credit scores in states where we can or areas where we can. We can't always get it, um, but we will look at it in some instances. Yes, very good
0: question. All right. All right, Dustin, I'm out of questions. (laughs) You got anything else you want to, you want to add?
1: No, I appreciate, I really appreciate you having me. I I guess if if folks want to check us out, um, our website's just, uh, Very good. you you can check us out there. And then if folks wanted to reach out to me directly, they could find me on LinkedIn.
0: All right. Well, there you go. Hey, man, I love what you're doing. I think uh, anytime you can bring something in to make a consumer's life easier, my life easier, the jeweler's life easier, you know, I think you're doing something right. I think it's great that you have all this experience in the background, that you identified an issue, and then you actually did something and moved forward and built something to help solve people's problems. So good on you for that. And uh, I really appreciate you spending some time with me today and looking forward to sharing your story and your experience and i just really appreciate you coming on
1: thanks so much man i appreciate it Have good right, buddy
0: work. yeah you too well there you go thank you dustin for coming on and teaching us what you know and helping us do our jobs better and giving us a product to make that all easier and i really appreciate you spending some time with me and uh, sharing with us what you know my name is matt this is simply explaining insurance you can find me all over the place if you want you can text me at 208-213-8809 hop in my texting community and i'm giving out tips and tricks and advice on everything i know about running an agency also don't forget about agencylaunch.net that is there for you it's got 13 hours of everything that i've learned in running an agency uh, that works and also don't forget my other podcast called agency launch it is there for you too thank you so much for listening be safe